0: Part Two, Chapters One to Four of *The Voyages of Doctor Doolittle* by Hugh Lofting. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: The Crew of the Curlew. From that time on, of course, my position in the town was very different. I was no longer a poor cobbler's son. I carried my nose in the air as I went down the high street with Jip in his gold collar at my side. "'and snobbish little boys who had despised me before "'because I was not rich enough to go to school "'now pointed me out to their friends and whispered,
1: "'You see him? He's a doctor's assistant, and only ten years old.'
0: "'But their eyes would have opened still wider, "'with wonder if they had but known that I and the dog that was with me "'could talk to one another. Two days after the doctor had been to our house to dinner,' He told me very sadly that he was afraid that he would have to give up trying to learn the language of the shellfish. At all events, for the present.
2: I'm very discouraged, Stubbins, very. I've tried the mussels and the clams, the oysters and the whelks, cockles and scallops, seven different kinds of crabs, and all the lobster family. I think I'll leave it for the present, and go at it again later on.
1: What will you turn to now?
2: I asked. Well, I rather thought of going on a voyage, Stubbins. It's quite a time now since I've been away. And there is a great deal of work waiting for me abroad.
1: When shall we start?
2: I asked. Well, first, I shall have to wait till the purple bird of paradise gets here. I must see if she has any message for me from Long Arrow. She's late. She should have been here ten days ago. I hope to goodness she's all right.
1: Well, hadn't we better be seeing about getting a boat? I said. She is sure to be here in a day or so, and there will be lots of things to do to get ready in the meantime, won't there?
2: Yes, indeed, said the doctor. Suppose we go down and see your friend Joe, the muscle man. He will know about boats. I'd like to come too, said Jip. All right, come along, said
0: the doctor, and off we went. Joe said, Yes. He had a boat, one he had just bought.
1: But it needed three people to sail her.
0: "'We told him we would like to see it anyway. "'So the muscle man took us off a little way down the river "'and showed us the neatest, prettiest little vessel "'that ever was built. "'She was called the Curlew. "'Joe said he would sell her to us cheap. "'But the trouble was that the boat needed three people "'while
2: we were only two. "'Of course I shall be taking Chi-Chi,' said the doctor. "'But although he is very quick and clever, "'he is not as strong as a man.' We really ought to have another person to sail a boat as big as that.
1: I know of a good sailor, Doctor,
2: said Joe.
1: A first-class seaman who would be glad of the job.
2: No, thank you, Joe, said Dr. Doolittle. I don't want any seamen. I couldn't afford to hire them. And then they hamper me so, Seamen do when I'm at sea. They're always wanting to do things the proper way, and I like to do them my way. Now let me see, who could we take with us?
1: There's Matthew Mugg, the cat's meat man,
2: I said. No, he wouldn't do. Matthew's a very nice fellow, but he talks too much, mostly about his rheumatism. You have to be frightfully particular whom you take with you on long voyages.
1: How about Luke the Hermit?
2: I asked. That's a good idea. Splendid, if he'll come. Let's go and ask him right away. Chapter 2,
0: Luke the Hermit THE HERMIT WAS AN OLD FRIEND OF OURS, AS I HAVE ALREADY TOLD YOU. HE WAS A VERY PECULIAR PERSON. FAR OUT ON THE MARSHES HE LIVED IN A LITTLE BIT OF A SHACK, ALL ALONE EXCEPT FOR HIS BRINDLE bulldog. NO ONE KNEW WHERE HE CAME FROM, NOT EVEN HIS NAME. JUST LUKE THE HERMIT, FOLKS CALLED HIM. HE NEVER CAME INTO TOWN, NEVER SEEMED TO WANT TO SEE OR TALK TO PEOPLE. HIS DOG BOB DROVE THEM AWAY IF THEY CAME NEAR HIS HUT. When you asked anyone in Puddleby who he was or why he lived out in that lonely place by himself, the only answer you got was,
1: Oh, Luke the Hermit, well, there's some mystery about him. Nobody knows what it is, but there's a mystery. Don't go near him, he'll set the dog on you.
0: Nevertheless, there were two people who often went out to that little shack on the fens: the doctor and myself. And Bob the Bulldog never barked when he heard us coming. For we liked Luke, and Luke liked us. This afternoon, crossing the marshes, we faced a cold wind blowing from the east. As we approached the hut, Jip put up his ears and said, That's funny. What's funny? asked the doctor.
3: That Bob hasn't come out to meet us. He should have heard us long ago, or smelt us. What's that queer noise? Sounds
2: to me like a gate creaking, said the doctor. Maybe it's Luke's door. Only we can't see the door from here. It's on the far side of the shack. I hope Bob isn't sick, said Jip, and he let out a bark to see if that would
0: call him. But the only answer he got was the wailing of the wind across the wide salt fen. We hurried forward, all three of us thinking hard. When we reached the front of the shack, we found the door open, swinging and creaking dismally in the wind. We looked inside. There was no one there.
1: "'Isn't Luke at home, then?' said I. "'Perhaps he's out for a walk.'
0: "'He is always at home,' said the doctor, frowning in a peculiar sort of
2: way. "'And even if he were out for a walk, he wouldn't leave his door banging in the wind behind him. "'There is something queer about this. "'What are you doing in there, Jip?' "'Nothing much. Nothing worth speaking
0: of,' said Jip, examining the floor of the hut extremely carefully.
2: Come here, Jip, said the doctor in a stern voice. You are hiding something from me. You see signs and you know something, or you guess it. What has happened? Tell me. Where is the hermit?
0: I don't know, said Jip, looking very guilty and
2: uncomfortable. I don't know where he is. Well, you know something. I can tell it from the look in your eye. What is it? But Jip didn't answer. For
0: ten minutes the doctor kept questioning him but not a word would the dog say.
2: Well, said the doctor at last, it is no use our standing around here in the cold. The hermit's gone, that's all. We might as well go home to luncheon.
0: As we buttoned up our coats and started back across the marsh, Jip ran ahead, pretending he was looking for water rats. He knows something,
2: all right, whispered the doctor. And I think he knows what has happened, too. It's funny he's not wanting to tell me. He has never done that before, not in eleven years. He has always told me everything. Strange. Very strange.
1: Do you mean you think he knows all about the hermit? The big mystery about him which folks hint at and all that?
2: I shouldn't wonder if he did. The doctor answered slowly. I noticed something in his expression the moment we found that door open. And the hut empty. And the way he sniffed the floor too. It told him something that floor did. He saw signs we couldn't see. I wonder why he won't tell me. I'll try him again. Here, Jip! Jip! Where is the dog? I thought he went on in front. So did I, I said.
1: He was there a moment ago. I saw him as large as life. Jip! 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 Jip!
0: But he was gone. We called and called. We even walked back to the hut. But Jip had disappeared. Oh, well, I said.
1: Most likely he has just run home ahead of us. He often does that, you know. We'll find him there when we get back to the house.
0: But the doctor just closed his coat collar tighter against the wind and strode on muttering.
2: Odd. Very odd. Chapter
0: 3 Jip and the Secret When we reached the house, the first question
2: the doctor asked of Dab-Dab in the hall was, Is Jip home yet? No, said Dab-Dab.
1: I haven't seen him.
2: Let me know the moment he comes in, will you please? said the doctor, hanging up his hat.
1: Certainly I will,
0: said Dab-Dab.
1: Don't be long over washing your hands. The lunch is on the table.
0: Just as we were sitting down to luncheon in the kitchen, we heard a great racket at the front door. I ran and opened it. Inbound a chip. Doctor.
3: He cried. Come into the library quick. I've got something to tell you. No, Dab-Dab, the luncheon must wait. Please hurry, Doctor. There's not a moment to be lost. Don't let any of the animals come. Just you and Tommy.
0: Now. He said when we were inside the library and the door was closed.
3: Turn the key in the lock and make sure there's no one listening under the
2: windows. It's all right. Said the doctor. Nobody can hear you here. Now, what is it?
0: Well, doctor, said Jip, he was badly
3: out of breath from running. I know all about the hermit. I have known for years, but I couldn't tell you. Why? asked the doctor. Because I promised not to tell anyone. It was Bob, his dog, that told me, and I swore to him that I would keep the secret. Well? And are you going to tell me now? Yes, said Jip. "'We've got to save him. I followed Bob's scent just now "'when I left you out there on the marshes, and I found him. "'And I said to him, is it all right, I said, for me to tell the doctor now? "'Maybe he can do something. And Bob says to me, yes,' says he. "'It's all right because—' "'Oh, for heaven's sake!
2: Go on, go on!' cried the doctor. "'Tell us what the mystery is, not what you said to Bob and what Bob said to you. "'What has happened? Where is the hermit?' "'He's in Puddleby Jail,' said Jip. "'He's in prison!'
0: In prison? Yes. What for? What's he done? Jip went over to the door and smelt at the bottom of it to see if anyone were listening outside. Then he came back to the doctor on tiptoe and whispered He killed a man. Lord preserve us, cried the doctor, sitting down heavily in a chair and mopping his forehead with a handkerchief.
3: When did he do it? Fifteen years ago, in a Mexican gold mine. That's why he's been a hermit ever since. He shaved off his beard and kept away from people out there on the marshes so he wouldn't be recognized. But last week, it seems these new-fangled policemen came to town, and they heard that there was a strange man who kept to himself all alone in a shack on the fen. And they got suspicious. For a long time, people have been hunting all over the world for the man that did that killing in the Mexican gold mine fifteen years ago. So these policemen went out to the shack, and they recognized Luke by a mole in his arm, and they took him to prison.
2: Well, well, murmured the doctor. Who would have thought it? Luke, the philosopher. Killed a man. I can hardly believe it.
3: It's true enough, unfortunately, said Jip. Luke did it, but it wasn't his fault. Bob says so, and he was there and saw it all. He was scarcely more than a puppy at the time. Bob says Luke couldn't help it. He had to do it. Where is Bob now? asked the doctor. Down at the prison. I wanted him to come with me here to see you, but he won't leave the prison while Luke was there. He just sits outside the door of the prison cell and won't move. He doesn't even eat the food they give him. Won't you please come down there, doctor, and see if there's anything you can do. The trial's to be this afternoon at two o'clock. What time is it now? It's ten minutes past one. Bob says he thinks they are going to kill Luke for a punishment if they can prove that he did it, or certainly keep him in prison for the rest of his life. Won't you please come? Perhaps if you spoke to the judge and told him what a good man Luke really is, they'd let him off. Of course I'll come,
0: said the doctor getting up and moving to go.
2: But I'm very much afraid that I shan't be of any real help.
0: He turned at the door and hesitated thoughtfully. And yet, I wonder... THEN HE OPENED THE DOOR AND PASSED OUT WITH JIP AND ME, CLOSE AT HIS HEELS. CHAPTER FOUR. BOB Dab-Dab was terribly upset when she found we were going away again without luncheon, and she made us take some cold pork pies in our pockets to eat on the way. When we got to Puddleby Courthouse, it was next door to the prison, we found a great crowd gathered around the building. This was the week of Assizes, a business which happened every three months, when many pickpockets and other bad characters were tried by a very grand judge who came all the way from London. And anybody in Puddleby who had nothing special to do used to come to the courthouse to hear the trials. But today it was different. The crowd was not made up of just a few idle people. It was enormous. The news had run through the countryside that Luke the Hermit was to be tried for killing a man and that the great mystery which had hung over him so long was to be cleared up at last. The butcher and the baker had closed their shops and taken a holiday. All the farmers from round about, and all the townsfolk, were there with their Sunday clothes on, trying to get seats in the courthouse, or gossiping outside in low whispers. The high street was so crowded you could hardly move along it. I had never seen the quiet old town in such a state of excitement before. For Puddleby had not had such an assizes since 1799, when Ferdinand Phipps, the rector's oldest son, had robbed the bank. If I hadn't had the doctor with me, I'm sure I would never have been able to make my way through the mob packed around the courthouse door. But I just followed behind him, hanging on to his coattails, and at last we got safely into the jail.
2: I want to see Luke
0: said the doctor to a very grand person in a blue coat with brass buttons standing at the door.
2: Ask at the superintendent's office,
0: said the man.
2: Third door on the left, down the corridor.
1: Who is that person you spoke to, doctor?
2: I asked as we went along the passage. He is a policeman.
1: And what are policemen?
2: Policemen? They are to keep people in order. They've just been invented by Sir Robert Peel. That's why they are also called peelers sometimes. It is a wonderful age we live in. They're always thinking of something new. This will be the superintendent's office, I suppose.
0: From there, another policeman was sent with us to show us the way. Outside the door of Luke's cell, we found Bob the Bulldog, who wagged his tail sadly when he saw us. The man who was guiding us took a large bunch of keys from his pocket and opened the door. I had never been inside a real prison cell before, and I felt quite a thrill when the policeman went out and locked the door after him, leaving us shut in the dimly-lighted little stone room. Before he went, he said, as soon as we had done talking with our friend, we should knock upon the door, and he would come and let us out. At first I could hardly see anything. It was so dim inside. But after a little... I made out a low bed against the wall, under a small barred window. On the bed, staring down at the floor between his feet, sat the hermit, his head resting in his hands. Well, Luke, said the doctor in a kindly voice.
2: They don't give you much light in here, do they?
0: Very slowly, the hermit looked up from the floor.
2: Hello, John Dewell. What brings you here? I've come to see you. I would have been here sooner, only I didn't hear about all this till a few minutes ago. I went to your hut to ask you if you would join me on a voyage, and when I found it empty, I had no idea where you could be. I am dreadfully sorry to hear about your bad luck. I've come to see if there is anything I can do. Luke shook his head. No, I don't imagine
3: there is anything can be done. They've caught me at last. That's the end of it, I suppose.
0: He got up stiffly and started walking up and down the little room.
3: In a way, I'm glad it's over, said he. I never got any peace, always thinking they were after me, afraid to speak to anyone. They were bound to get me in the end. Yes, I'm glad it's over.
0: Then the doctor talked to Luke for more than half an hour, trying to cheer him up. "'while I sat around wondering what I ought to say "'and wishing I could do something. "'At last the doctor said he wanted to see Bob, "'and we knocked upon the door "'and were let out by the policeman. "'Bob?' said the doctor to the big bulldog in the passage. "'Come out with me into the porch. "'I want to ask you something.' "'How is he, doctor?' asked Bob "'as we walked down the
2: corridor into the courthouse porch. "'Oh, Luke's all right.' Very miserable, of course, but he's all right. Now tell me, Bob, you saw this business happen, didn't you? You were there when the man was killed, eh?
1: I was, Doctor,
2: said Bob.
0: And I tell you. All right. The Doctor interrupted.
2: That's all I want to know for the present. There isn't time to tell me more now. The trial is just going to begin. There are the judge and the lawyers coming up the steps. Now listen, Bob. I want you to stay with me when I go into the courtroom. And whatever I tell you to do, do it. Do you understand? Don't make any scenes. Don't bite anybody. No matter what they may say about Luke. Just behave perfectly quietly and answer any question I may ask you. Truthfully, do you understand?
0: Very well. But do you think you will be able to get him off, Doctor?
2: Asked Bob.
1: He's a good man, Doctor. He really is. There never was a better.
2: We'll see. We'll see, Bob. It's a new thing I'm going to try. I'm not sure the judge will allow it. But, well, we'll see. It's time to go into the courtroom now. Don't forget what I told you. Remember, for heaven's sake, don't start biting anyone, or you'll get us all put out and spoil everything. End of part two, chapter four.